Suggesting that it is possible to porn-proof your marriage may appear to be preposterous. It is so prevalent in 2017 that it may be simply impossible to porn-proof your marriage in terms of seeing pornography. However, what if you could build a marriage relationship and a shared worldview where pornography was not even attractive? The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a thought-provoking episode for you this week. This is episode number 141, and today we're going to be talking about porn-proofing your marriage. Hey, everybody, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we answered the question, is it even possible to have a happy marriage? Turns out it is. Don't miss that episode. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, a blueprint of sorts for a successful marriage. And most of all, we offer hope. Indeed. Okay. Let's get into porn-proofing marriage. Okay. I think it's important for Linda that we clarify what we're proposing today and who this is for, because depending where you're at in your experience with pornography, you could hear this very differently or your spouse is at, right? Okay. So you can't walk through a mall or drive on a major highway or watch TV or use the internet without being exposed to pornographic images in 2017. Okay. And by pornographic images, I just mean images capable of provoking sexual attraction or thoughts or fantasies. And I think that's just a sad but true commentary on the sexualization of women or even just the whole sexualization of our culture today. It's so predominant, right? Yeah. So when I talk about porn-proofing your marriage, what I'm aiming at is creating a marriage in a shared worldview where pornography holds no traction. Like there's no grip. There's no appeal. No real desire there. Okay. And so I need to point out like who this episode is for and really not for or not for yet. Okay. And this is really important that our listeners hear this clearly. If you're in the grip of a pornography addiction, I hope you will find this useful. If pornography, so that's for the the person who's struggling right now. Yeah. If pornography is not a factor in your marriage and you want to keep it that way, this is for both of you. Okay. If one or both of you are recovered pornography addicts, then I believe this will be helpful as well. But if you are a person whose spouse is in the grip of a pornography addiction and you want to single-handedly shape your marriage in order to outcompete or even just eradicate pornography, like you're managing this problem, then you're probably coming at this the wrong way. And this episode is not really for you until you fall into some of the previous categories because it's not your job to manage your spouse's recovery, even mm-hmm. though you desperately want him or her to be free of it and you want this out of your lives and you want to be clean, you can't manage the addict. Mm-hmm. It never works. Okay. And if that's new information for you, then I would highly recommend even just Googling co-addiction and starting to educate yourselves on these things. Maybe we should consider that for an upcoming show. Okay. But your job is to confront when you feel necessary, to refrain from enabling. And even I think you should go so far as to refuse to take any responsibility for your spouse's recovery. It's the addict's job to own all aspects of their recovery, Mm -hmm. not yours. So don't take this as pressure on yourself. It is because you want rid of this because it's hurting you yeah. and you want out. And I totally get that, but it doesn't work. Okay. Sadly. 
Okay. Is that fair? Do you want to add anything to that, babe? Yeah. Like, I think that last point you were talking about is really important because you can't outcompete what's out there. No. The airbrushed versions and the fantasy and whatever. Yeah. So to think that you can take this little episode here and say, oh, I'm going to create the marriage where... Yeah. We don't want to give any false promises here. Yeah. So that's that's a tough situation if you're in it. We'd love to help you with it. So uh, feel free to reach out if we can help you. That way we're just saying that in this particular episode, we're not not able to cover that wide of a scope. Yeah. But having said all that too, you know, one thing, and, and this is just noted from some of my clinical experience, it's not fair for... The unaffect, or the unaddicted spouse mm-hmm. to choose movies with pornographic scenes while holding the conviction that pornography is wrong and expecting your previously addicted or your currently addicted spouse not to be triggered by this or interested or fascinated, right? So oh, if you're, okay. this is kind of really a challenge, right? Because, you know, we may think of the, the pornography addict in the classic terms, which is fine as someone who's watching these things and masturbating. But if we're going to accept, you know, pornographic scenes in mainstream movies, mm-hmm. for example, like how is that better? Like, why is that okay? And then it's okay. Like, when does it stop becoming okay? Do you know what I mean? Okay. So I'm just saying, okay. especially when you're, you, you are married to someone who struggled with this, right? Because if you're comfortable with it, then you should be comfortable with your spouse. Yeah. Why is it, it okay for you to watch some yeah. stuff and not them? So I just like, to me, the, this is kind of like the alcoholic and you're drinking a little bit of alcohol in front of them, right? It's, it's best if they're if we just avoid that entirely. Okay. And that's without even getting to the biblical moral implications. Like is any sex scene where, you know, people are exposing themselves in a movie and there's nudity and pornography and sexuality happening. Like that's private business. God intended for that to happen in, well, wherever, but behind closed doors or in In the marriage, inside the marriage in privacy, right? right? That's between them. Mm -hmm. It's not for public consumption. And so when saying this too, I'm revealing that we speak from a Christian worldview, a born again Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. And it's our belief that pornography doesn't have anything to add to this world or to marriage because the Bible and even secular research both support the notion that the best sex is happening inside marriage. Mm -hmm. And we could go a lot further explaining our beliefs and the theological underpinnings, but I think that's just an adequate summary for now. Okay. So sorry for such a long disclaimer, but you have to know the, uh, the perspectives we speak out, especially if you're new to our show. And if you are, we're glad you're tuned in today. Okay. Pornography. So yeah, let's, let me cite some research relevant to pornography and marriage quality. So researchers stack at all 2004, they noted that high marriage quality was linked to lower porn use. Another researcher mm. also observed that satisfaction with real life sex is not linked to rates of porn use. So for example, what they're saying is that increasing porn use is not in- equal to increasing sexual satisfaction. Okay. More porn doesn't make your sex better. I believe is what they're saying there. Uh, Another group of researchers showed that high levels of porn use uh, does lead to lower sexual satisfaction for both men and women. So I'm just saying this because there is a popular notion out there that, you know, we can get more creativity and add some Mm -hmm. fresh ideas and a little bit of excitement and spice from watching pornography. And I'm saying, no, the research doesn't support that. Hmm. A Barner group study also reported a number of other potential impacts of pornography, including a dramatic reduction in a spouse's capacity to love their wife and children. Really? Yes. Difficulty achieving orgasm with your spouse, uh, increased likelihood of having multiple sexual partners in both paid sex and extramarital sex, wives reporting their husband's sexual advantages as conveying a message of objectification as opposed to meaningful interaction. Sexual advance, advances? Um, so advantages. Oh, did I say advantages? Yeah, sorry. Okay. Ad- advances. And an increase in sexless marriages because the sex is happening in front of the computer or wherever instead of in the bedroom. Wow. 
and could go on and on. And the point here is just that this is not helping marriages. And I really, truly believe that pornography has nothing to offer and nothing to add to creating healthy, vibrant, enjoyable marriage, including the sexual intimacy within that marriage. So hmm. this is why we're talking about porn proofing your marriage, not just because we're fuddy duddies, but it really doesn't have anything to add, not to mention the exploitation of the people that are involved in it. So let's talk about porn proofing your marriage. And this is a okay. multifaceted approach. So we're going to touch on this at different levels from behavior all the way to examining our worldview. So kind of deep into how we think. Okay. So on the behavioral side, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I want to mention it because curiosity is a powerful thing. And you could see something sexual that piques your interest and then it becomes a rabbit trail into pornography until you get lost in that world. So I do think that there is value in doing whatever we can at a basic behavioral level to protect ourselves even from the accidental encounter with it if possible. Okay. So that's one of the reasons why our family uses a device called Circle made by Disney. We also have Covenant Eyes accountability for adults and we have accountability and filtering for our kids. We use Google Safe Search all the time. That's turned on on our devices. So those are some things we use to be candid. We probably need more. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more that could be said about these resources, but we've packed it up as a document. It's available to our patrons. If you're not a patron today, we'd like you to consider becoming one. You get the benefit of immediate access to all of the bonus content we mention in our shows. And also your support means that we can continue to reach and influence more and more marriages through this show. And so we had another record-breaking month just finished in May here, which is great. And we appreciate that mm -hmm. ability to do that because of help from our supporters. So we'll just take a quick 60-second break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day -day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about behavioral safeguards against pornography. So that's the initial step to porn-proofing marriages. Let's and that's like physical barriers. Yeah, Is that what you mean by behavioral safeguards? Oh, these are things that... Lim um, I mean, they're not physical. Maybe they're software or whatever. They but. either limit your behavior or... Okay. It's just um, the goal is to stop, number one, accidental exposure, and number two, to reveal intentional exposure to pornography. Okay. And knowing those things are present, it just, it stops you from kind of that possibility, I'll just take a quick peek because I'm oh, curious, okay. and then boom, okay. you're going into it, right? Yeah. Now, another thing that you can look at is your social circles. And this is really interesting too, because social control theory states that people may want to engage in deviant behavior such as porn use, but their social bonds provide motivation not to. So for example, things like bonds to society or to a particular religious or political view or to family may prevent a person doing something that, that society or the family or whatever that social group is that they would deem unacceptable. Hmm. So planting yourself in the right group of people can help you porn-proof your marriage. Like think about oh. this as a couple. Who do we befriend? Who do we hang out with, right? Okay. So a study in 2004 looked at 531 surveys of internet users and found that three particular kinds of social bonds were related to cyber porn use. 
church attendance negatively predicted cyber porn use. Oh. Being happily married reduced the likelihood of cyber porn use by 61%. So it's having your, your immediate mini social circle yeah. with your wife. Political liberalism, this should get some of our American friends going, increased the odds of porn use. Really? Go figure. So I just thought it was really interesting to look at this because it challenges us to step back and examine our most influential social circles. Like who do you choose to put in your circle? Think about this in terms of your marriage. You want to have a circle of friends that you move among that upholds the sanctity of marriage, right? Yeah. And you may have Christian friends. You may have in those Christian friends an unacknowledged kind of contract almost between you that it's okay to watch somewhat inappropriate movies. Or maybe there's the odd porn or sex joke that just communicates the idea that we all do it. Like, what's the big deal? Okay, okay. Like, it just, those little clues that maybe normalize something. Okay. Right? And... And, and so this may need a change in social circles or a, or a discussion with your friends to hey, say, hey, you know what, guys, like I noticed we've been dropping little jokes about this and it kind of sends this subtle signal that it's okay. But if we're really serious about being holy in our marriages, then we need to stop these jokes okay. or the comments, right? Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, we all talk about peer pressure, right? With kids in high school and whatever, right. but... Right. It continues all through life, really. Yeah. This is kind of like, the, think of the classic um, situation. You see it in movies. You've talked about it really not on the show. Like if you get a few wives sitting in around eating salad at some lunch, they're out for lunch or whatever, yeah. eating salads and, and, uh, and they're just complaining about their husbands, right? Now they're yeah. all doing it. So it's okay to do that. Right. Well, it's not okay, but they just think it's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that that's a, that's a, Socially. that's a social circle that's contributing to that issue. Okay. So how do we adjust our social circles or bring ourselves differently to them? So that's something to consider, which is important. Mm -hmm. And then also there's the issue of religiosity and pornography. And this one I think is even more interesting. So let me start with a poignant quote. While religiosity is consistently negatively associated with an acceptance of pornography, these same attitudes do not always translate to a lack of use. Okay. Church people condemn, but they don't necessarily not use pornography, right? Okay. So people from Christian backgrounds often have negative attitudes to porn use, but the actual usage levels don't always reflect this. Uh, There's a study in 2010 where they interviewed 192 Christian men. I don't know how they defined Christian, but they were aged 18 to 27. And they found that hundred percent of them thought porn use was unacceptable, but 45% of them still had used porn at some point in the last 12 months. Wow. It's lower than porn use rates in the general population for a similar age group, but it still shows that beliefs and actions don't always go together. Right. So just calling yourself a Christian or even having closely held beliefs, it doesn't necessarily porn-proof your marriage. Mm-hmm. But there are some specific characteristics that were found to be linked to not using porn in Christian men. So keep in mind as we list these, this is from a research perspective, not a preaching at you perspective. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. One is higher levels of current and past involvement in religious practices, prayer, scripture reading, attending church, those kinds of things. So they noted that regularly connecting with God and other Christians in this way was thought to serve as a reminder that porn use was unacceptable, even if, and I'm quoting here, even if an individual is taught that pornography is unacceptable, religious beliefs may not be enough to prevent pornography use, which is true, without the regular, maybe even daily participation in activities, praying, reading scriptures, and so on, that would reinforce those religious beliefs. Wow. So what I'm saying here is encouraging each other and building each other up as believers to be actively engaged as people of faith yeah. is going to help porn-proof your marriage. Wow. Okay. A stronger sense of identity and self-worth, particularly relating to family, dating, and faith, that helped reduce porn use. 
stronger relationships with the family, particularly a stronger relationship with their mother and higher involvement in religious activities as a family. That's really interesting. It's the first time I've seen someone say that. That I've wondered about that. Yeah. Yeah. Lower levels of depression. And it's not clear which direction this effect is. It could be that those who used porn felt guilty about it leading to depression, or it could be that depression causes weaker impulse control or the need to use porn to raise your mood. Oh, whether it's cause or effect. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. if you're struggling with this issue and or and you're depressed, it may be worth seeing your family medical doctor. Not that taking depression is necessarily gonna fix it. But if it lifts your mood, it could have a causal impact. We're not sure. Right. Or it would even be... Increase your resistance. Yeah. Give you the opportunity to work on the pornography piece. Yes. Yeah. If the depression is taken care of. Yeah. Hmm. So what we're saying here is that there's, you know, moving closer to God is a good thing. Yeah. It's not 100% guarantee, but it's a good thing. Like the old, uh, you kind of hear the old preachers, they used to say, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book Mm -hmm. in reference to the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. So, and they're saying here, like daily reading of scriptures, prayer, those kinds of things, they help, which I agree with. Yeah. Now there is a flip side to this because there are also some risk factors associated with religiosity that can increase porn use, the risk of porn use and addiction. Having highly conservative Christian views or being raised in rigid authoritarian families can produce a very high emphasis on sexual purity and the belief that sex is taboo and should not be talked about. Mm-hmm. And this then means that someone who's who uses porn once would feel very isolated and too ashamed to come forward for help about it, leading to a cycle of shame and guilt that leads to addiction. Interesting. That is a significant, significant issue in more conservative circles such as the ones that we move in. So we got to watch how we think about sex too. Mm-hmm. And how we preach about it in our churches, but that's getting onto okay. another subject. We have a whole episode on that, Caleb. On why you feel guilty about sex, but shouldn't or something okay. like that. So you have to shape your faith in terms of church life, beliefs, and behavior as a couple in order for this to become a resiliency factor against pornography. It's not enough to assume that just because you're church going and Bible toting people that you are porn proof. Right. That makes sense, babe? Yeah, it does. Now, now let's get into some deeper issues, Verlinda, and just help me out through this section here. Okay. One is worldview. Okay. Okay. So this is just how you see the world around you. Like what goes through your mind or happens in your body? I'm asking this question to the audience. When you see the full scale images in the window of Victoria's Secret in the mall, like when you're going past that or mm-hmm. you into the mall, it's right in front of you, right? This is important. Like you need to see a person in that, that large banner. That is somebody's daughter. She okay. has hopes, dreams, aspirations. She has a story to her life. If she finds worth in the sale of her beauty to an advertising or modeling agency, that's evidence of, I would say, her brokenness. Okay. Because she is now making money from allowing the image of herself to be used as an object for lust or gratification. Okay. Right? And yet she's a human being, not a human body. Mm -hmm. She's much more, right? And I think we should feel sadness for her. Like what was private and precious is now just being used as smut for the idle gaze of passersby who have no intent of appreciating the person, just the body. Hmm, interesting. And this is where I, I come to this worldview issue. Like you have to have this worldview that looks at even seductive images in a mall and says, that's objectification. That's a person. And I'm not going to buy into that way of thinking. Huh. That's like, that's like really touching. Well, I think it's... But I think it's so true. It's necessary, right? Yeah. And I think that having this discussion as a couple is good because women can do this to like Brad Pitt, right? Well, Brad Pitt is not a hunk. Brad Pitt is a person. Right. And 
I mean, think about the grief that that guy has gone through and the loss with the breakup of his marriage in the last couple of years mm-hmm. and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a man with hopes and dreams of being a father. There's a man, I think if I'm, I don't say super on top of the Hollywood stuff, but I think there was some <laughs> was substance abuse into. and so on, right? Okay. So there's a guy who's struggling, right? And even though he has the body that a million, million women want to be with, he's a person. Okay. And so we have to we have to not buy into this worldview that takes movie stars, porn stars, models, and objectifies them. Right. We have to see them as people. So learning to think that way together is helpful. Okay. I think it's easy, Caleb, as we're talking about this, to think about, you know, all them out there. But what's the difference between, you know, someone walking down the street and you eye them up and down? You're rubbernecking, yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's exactly the same thing. So right. it's easy for us That's to That's a person in, too. Yeah. It's easy for us to sit in our armchairs and say, oh, them out there have done this right. to people. Yes. I'm not meaning to cast like Brad as if he's the problem. Like, did he try to promote that? I don't know. Maybe he did at some point. He thought it was great. I don't know enough about it. Or him. flattering. Yeah. I don't know. But it's not necessarily their fault. Like they're doing that out of their brokenness too. Right. But that's what I mean. It's all in our own hearts as how we look at them. So that's what you're saying is changing your worldview. Right. To see them as people, not just yes. a body. Right. Whether it's on a billboard or on a movie or on the street. Right. Right. So, and then the, the second thing I think here for porn proofing your marriage. So the second deeper issue that I want to talk about is intimacy, right? And this is about learning to open your emotions deeply to one another, to show each other the rawest parts, the parts you most want to protect that you're most afraid to show. And I'm assuming that you're in a marriage where it's safe to do so. Mm -hmm. But there is no person that you should feel more emotionally connected to than your spouse. Yeah. And if you're, if you're not there today, take action so that in one or two years from now, because maybe this will be a journey for you or it will be a journey for you. In one or two years from now, you're there and you don't want intimacy voids left in your marriage that are looking for opportunities, the Mm -hmm. voids looking for opportunities to get filled up with pornography and the fantasy world that that brings. Mm -hmm. Because that's a a form of pseudo intimacy. It's a false intimacy. And the root, when I'm working with pornography addicts, the root of their addiction is found in these yearnings to be close, to be accepted, to be loved. Their deepest fear is that they're going to be abandoned and they're filled with shame. Right now, if you, if you open yourself to your spouse and you guys create this healthy marriage where she or he accepts you, no matter what that disarms shame, Mm, right? And, and when you show them those deepest parts of you and there's love instead of abandonment, it disarms the abandonment piece. Right. And now you've created not only beauty in your marriage, but you've created something that you like you're, you're, you're healing something Mm -hmm. so that this brokenness is not going looking for pornography. Okay. Right. So the, I think the appeal is lowered. Okay. And this again is a way that you guys porn help porn proof your marriage is by really developing this emotional hmm. and actually whole person intimacy with each other. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? okay? Yeah. And then sexuality. So again, here challenging yourselves to grow as a couple in this area, not to outcompete the online world. You don't want to try to achieve what they have. Like that's not your standard. Yeah. They're not having better sex pornography stars. Okay. Um, They're being raped and abused and made to do things that they don't want to do. That's Mm. not your standard, but rather create something between you that is at times some or all of these things, exciting, playful, adventurous, intimate, loving, passionate, exploratory, all those good words. Okay. And just let this be an unfolding story in your lives. It doesn't mean that every time you have sex, there's something new and refreshing. 
I remember in an episode quite a while ago that very happily sexually satisfied couples, happily married sexually satisfied couples said that only half the time was sex decent or it was really good or Hit something like that. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a lot of times when, so don't have super high expectations. Okay. But keep challenging yourselves. Okay. Don't have super high expectations in the short term that every sexual interaction is going to be. Okay. Like, that sounds better because it makes it sound like sex yes. is going to be miserable. <laughs> no, like go enjoy it and let it develop and so on. Okay. For sure. And I think that when you, when you realize and then pre- learn to appreciate that, like what you have in your marriage, when that is rich, then the rest of the stuff that gets offered out there, that seems cheesy and cheap and distasteful, right? right? By contrast, okay. because you know that what you, you have, have feels so good. Hmm. Well, don't they say, Caleb, to, this is kind of a side topic, but anyways, to recognize counterfeit, they don't show them all the counterfeit. They teach them how to recognize the real thing. Yes, and then they'll know that the other isn't real. Real bills, yeah. So that's the same in your sex life, right? Like if you yeah. have the real thing and you've developed that, yes, then the other isn't gonna. That's a good analogy. Be attractive. Okay, I think we've done some. I was gonna say some damage, but <laughs> hopefully more reparative. Yeah, how to porn-proof your marriage. So let us know if you have any questions. Reach out to us through our website. We'd love to hear back from you. If there's things that you found that have helped you to porn-proof your marriage, we'd love to hear that in the comments Absolutely. section for this episode as well. Yeah. You can read this episode as a blog post at oif.link slash 141. Let's wrap up. All right. So we have another patron this week, Caleb. So thank you to John, who's come on board to help us help other marriages. Yes, including with this issue. Yeah. So we really appreciate your help there. And to all our patrons, for sure. Next week, we're talking about how menopause affects marriage. Oh, boy. (laughs) So that's another interesting demonstration, though, on how marriage satisfaction impacts the physical and how the physical can impact marriage satisfaction. Like there's an interaction. Really? In both directions. Yeah. Huh. Pretty interesting stuff. Cool. Well, that is all for today's episode. As Caleb said, you can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 141. Find out how you can help us help marriages like John this week. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oif.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.